This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. We have spent an enormous amount of time over the last several years talking about the idea of recreating specialized aquatic systems. We've talked a lot about transitional habitats, which are ecosystems which alternate between terrestrial and aquatic at various times of the year. These are really compelling ecosystems which push the very limits of conventional aquarium practice. And as you know, we take a function-first approach in which aesthetics become a sort of collateral benefit of the function. Perhaps the best way to replicate these natural systems in our aquariums is to replicate the factors which facilitate their function. So, for example, let's look at our favorite habitats, the flooded forests of Amazonia or the grasslands of the Pantanal region. Now, to create a system that truly embraces this idea in form and function, you'd start the system as a terrestrial habitat. In other words, rather than just setting up an aquarium habitat right from the start, you'd be setting up what amounts to a terrarium, I guess. Uh, soil, sand, terrestrial plants and grasses, leaves, seed pods, and you know, fallen tree branches and such on the forest floor. You'd run the system as a terrestrial display for some extended period of time, perhaps several weeks or even months if you can handle that. And then you'd flood the terrestrial habitat, turning it into an aquatic one. Now, I'm not talking about just one of your urban agapo nano-sized tanks here that we've talked about so much. I'm talking about running a full-size aquarium like this, you know, a 40, 50 US gallon aquarium, 100 gallon aquarium, whatever size you're going to play with. This is different in both scale and dynamic. After the inundation, it's likely, of course, that many of the plants and grasses will either go dormant or simply die, adding, you know, other nutrient load into the aquarium. A microbiome of organisms which can live in the aquatic environment needs to give rise to process, you know, the real high level of nutrients in the aquarium. Some terrestrial organisms, perhaps you're keeping frogs or whatever, need to be removed and rehoused, obviously. The very process of creating and populating a system during this transitional phase from terrestrial to aquatic is pretty complex. It's fascinating and not entirely well understood, at least in the aquarium hobby. In fact, it's essentially a virtually unknown one. We simply haven't created all that many systems which evolved from terrestrial to aquatic over the years. Well, we've done paludariums and vivariums and things like that, but we've never done that actual transition, at least not on any big level. We've seen plenty of seasonally flooded forest aquariums and biotope aquarium contests, but this is different. Rather than capturing a moment in time where it's after the quote-unquote forest is flooded and it's just an underwater scene, we're recreating the aquatic environment as far as, or actually recreating the process of transformation from the uh, terrestrial environment to the aquatic habitat. Very different. Literally creating the aquatic environment. Now, psychologically, this, this is a little bit challenging for you. I mean, in this instance, you've essentially been running a garden for several months, enjoying it and perhaps meeting the challenges which arise, only to embark in, several months later in a process which essentially destroys what you've created, forcing you to start all over again with a new and entirely different type of environment and contend with all the associated challenges, you know, the nitrogen cycle, nutrient control, etc. But modeling the process that actually occurs in nature. 
Now, personally, I find this type of approach irresistible. Not only do you get to enjoy all sorts of different aspects of nature, you get to learn some new stuff, acquire some new skills, make some observations on the processes that, although common in nature, were previously unrecorded in the aquarium hobby. You'll draw all of your aquarium-related skills to manage this transformation. You'll deal with a completely different aesthetic. I mean, flooding an established planted terrestrial habitat filled with soil and plants to create this turbid, no doubt chaotic-looking aquascape, at least initially, that's totally different. This is absolutely analogous to what we see in nature, of course. Seasonal transformations are hardly neat and tidy affairs. But we place function over form in, in our practice. And although we do that, that doesn't mean that you, can, you can't make it pretty. One key to making this interesting from an aesthetic perspective is to create a hardscape of wood, rocks, soil, seed pods, etc. during the terrestrial phase that'll please you when it's submerged, even when the plants are maybe dead or dormant or, or non-existent. You'll need to observe things carefully. You'll need to be tolerant of stuff like turbidity, biofilms, maybe some algae stream, strings, uh, decomposition, many of the sort of mental skills we've adapted already or developed as botanical-style aquarists. You'll need to accept that what you're seeing in front of you today will not look the way it will in four months or even four weeks. You'll need incredible patience along with flexibility and a real even keel to stay with it. I think we all have the chops that we need for this approach already. And you're thinking, like, who'd want to do this? But they simply need to apply the lessons that we've learned and couple them with sort of an eagerness to try something different and to help maybe pioneer and create the methodology and with the understanding that things may not always go exactly like we expect they, they should. That's part of the fun. For me, this would be likely a one-way trip going from terrestrial to aquatic. Of course, much like we've done with our urban agapo approach, this could be a terrestrial, aquatic, terrestrial round trip if you want. But I think in a bigger aquarium, it might not be as enjoyable to do that. It might be fun to just keep it aquatic. We're aquarium stuff for all, not gardeners. But that's the beauty of this. You could do a complete 365-day dynamic matching the actual wet season and dry season cycles of the habitat you're modeling. Absolutely, you could. The beauty is that even with our approach to transformational, biotope-inspired functional ecosystems, you can take some artistic liberties, and you do. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a hobby and not a PhD thesis, you know, project, right? Yeah, so there's plenty of room for creativity, even when you're pushing the sort of state-of-the-art of the hobby and trying totally crazy new things. There's plenty of ways to interpret what we see in these really interesting ecosystems. Habitats which transition from terrestrial to aquatic require us to consider the entire relationship between land and water. It's something that we've paid scant and little attention to in the aquarium hobby, in my opinion. And this is unfortunate because the relationships and the interdependencies between aquatic habitats and their terrestrial surroundings are fundamental to our understanding of how they evolve and function. There are really so many other ecosystems which you can model with this approach. I mean, floodplain lakes, streams, swamps, mud holes. I could go on and on and on. From all over the world, there's amazing aquatic habitats you can do this with. The inspiration for progressive aquariums is only limited to the many hundreds of thousands of examples which nature herself has created all over the planet for eons. We should look at nature for the little details it offers. We should question why things look the way they do and postulate on what processes led to a habitat looking and functioning the way it does and why and how fishes came to inhabit and thrive inside this habitat. With more and more attention being paid to the overall environments from which our fishes come from, not just the water, but the surrounding areas of the habitat, we as hobbyists are going to be able to call even more attention to the need to learn and protect them when we create aquariums based on more specific habitats. I've talked about that before, and it's important. The old adage about we protect what we love is definitely true here. 
and the transitional aquatic habitats are a terrific entry point into this exciting new era of aquarium hobby work. I think you should jump in and get your hands wet and play with this. I know I am. Stay inspired. Stay creative. Stay observant. Stay resourceful. Stay diligent. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tenon Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.